No, and it it just doesn't it doesn't add up. Well, because what America is for you know many people, it differs based on your culture, based on your politics, based on your religion. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, some churches say the Pledge of Allegiance Church. Like, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. You know, what are we yeah. doing? And some and some city councils have a prayer before they start the meeting. Like again, what are Only we doing? In. <laughs> again, what are we doing? This so again, we say freedom of religion, we say separation of church and state. No. But There's we don't no- actually believe that. That's all small talk, right? Yes. And that is all um it's 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 propaganda, is what it is, right? My name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. Hey, friends. Welcome to uh, Conversations. This is my invisible guest, Justin Hubbard. <laughs> Am I invisible? You were for a moment. Now you're I visible. Was. Um, so Justin, you guys, you guys are catching, you know, jumping in a little late in the game here. Justin and I have been chatting for a minute about, um, you know, cakes made out of human urine and, mm-hmm. and snorkeling like one does, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if you'll forgive me, I'm going to need some water because it is hot AF out here today and I'm trying to be a responsible, responsible adult and being hydrated. But, uh, if you are just joining conversations for the first time, I am really happy to introduce you to conversations, um, what we do, who we are, and my super awesome friend that is joining me. Conversations is spiritually minded conversations about life. My belief personally is that everything is innately spiritual because there's always more happening than what we can see, taste, touch, or smell. Um, and that's just me. And that's what you get when you tune in. Uh, So today, I want to talk about something um, that people don't necessarily think of as a spiritual issue, perhaps. But I believe that all of the things that we learn and are taught and we ingest um, have an effect on how we play out in the world and how we live in the world and what we do in the world. And so today, I want to talk about Murica. (laughs) Um, I want to talk about the American dream, myth, ethos, uh, what it is, who we think we are as Americans, what the world thinks we are as Americans, and how it affects the ways in which we engage with the world um, politically, emotionally, spiritually, all of these things, because I firmly believe that Um, You know, I know for me, being American is a a part of my context. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I have to first acknowledge my Americanness and see the things that I have been taught because of my Americanness. And then I can learn how to navigate that in the world. And so Justin, uh, my friend, is a a history teacher. uh, So he knows his stuff when it comes to American history. And we are going to we are going to run the gambit. Of American history and kind of just talk about how America came to be and what implications that has on how we live and breathe and have our being in the world to use a little Bible language. So, uh, Justin, if you want to give a little bit of an intro, that's fine. Um, let people know who you are and, and why yeah. we should listen to you. 
Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I am a social studies teacher. I haven't taught American history in, in a long time. I mean, my focus is, has been global studies for a long time, has been social studies skills and um, civics. Okay. So that's really where my forte is, but I like talking about American history because I don't get to that often. Mm-hmm. But it always comes from like a social justice or like sociology lens. Like mm-hmm. why, why do people do what they do? Like yes. why is why are our group think and culture as Americans? Like what what's that about? Yes. You know? yes. That's what I like talking about when it comes to American history. Um but as far as what I do outside the classroom, um, and shout out to my school, by the way, teach at Salamanca. Um, Salamanca, uh, thanks to a, one of the groups I'm advisor of, has the pride flag on school grounds. I have not seen another school. It, I haven't seen another school uh, that yeah. has the pride flag flown all the time on school grounds. So it's a pretty awesome school. So, yeah. you know, send us your kids because <laughs> we like to teach them. You know, Salamanca, New York. Send your kids. Send your kids. No, it's great. Great squad. Love my job. Um, I'm also uh, the coordinator of the Jamestown Justice Coalition, which is a social justice group in Jamestown, New York. Um, if you want to check out the Post Journal today, we were in it. We had a school right. meeting last night. You know, good times. And um, geez, I think that's it, right? I think that sounds good. You're also a husband and a, and a father and all of those husband, other things. Dad. Yes, husband, dad. Um, that's what my summer has been consumed with, really. It's just the kids and my wife, Lindsay. And yeah, so it's been great. But this is also fun to talk about. I know, you know? right? I know. So for those of you who don't know, I'm sharing this on the conversations page for the record. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know kind of where this conversation came from, um, there was a post on the conversations official Facebook group, which if you're not a part of, it would be super dope if you added that. Um, that's where a lot of our digital interaction comes from, really just building this community and a safe place where we can engage with um with different ideas, but from a spiritual lens, right? Like we're, we're talking about things on a bigger picture and it is an assumed safe space and respect is uh, is demanded, not earned, right? So if you come in, yeah. you're gonna have a respectful conversation and we have great conversations because of that. Uh, someone posted uh, some sort of post about the Puritans and it was like basically plot twist um, in America, we learned that the Puritans came um, to exercise and celebrate religious freedom, but in other countries, the Puritans were regarded as religious zealots who were kicked out of their country, basically. And so that got my mind going down a rabbit hole because there is that is the that is the narrative that I have heard, and I am in graduate school. And I'm a conscious, sentient human being who likes to learn. And this is what I've heard. And it really tripped me up that like the rest of the world is quite likely hearing something else. And then a couple of people in the group that are Canadian commented uh, and one of them that's Irish commented. They're like, yeah, no, we, we didn't learn that about America. Like this is what we learned. So I, it really got me going down this rabbit hole of, wow, there's, there's some some shadiness going on between what we're taught and and how it affects our world so naturally i gotta hit my man justin up so uh, i think i might have tagged you in that post like bro fact check this yeah. <laughs> no and i love it because so and there was a lot of truth in that post because the sad thing is this um 
you know, because as a history teacher, we always get that question of like, why don't you teach the truth, you know? Right. And it's not that we don't teach the truth. Like some teachers don't teach the truth. Like some, some teachers are, are bad teachers. They're bad social studies teachers. There's bad people in every job. There's bad social studies teachers too. But the problem is that I've noticed as a social studies teacher is a lot of what like American citizens are talking about when they talk about history is what they learned in like elementary and middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not really they're not focusing on that high school education mm-hmm. and then they're not bringing that education any further you know so when some people f- find this stuff out it's like why wasn't I taught this yeah and, it's like, yeah. Well, and that's part of the problem so the solution to that I think is one like never stop learning but two we have to stop like the fairy tale myth garbage that we teach in elementary school yes because it's it's not true yep and it the only reason it's there is to make it's to make cute stories to make kids and parents comfortable Mm -hmm. like that's not the truth yeah and when it comes to history like we can we don't have to make it a fairy tale we don't have to make it cute and cuddly tell the kids these events that actually happened you know and just report it um when we had uh mark charles on here who is a native native american uh activist author and former presidential candidate um he was talking about the american myth and that was kind of what well, a lot of things have built up to the point where I'm ready to engage this conversation. But that was a, a really big thing that, that that struck me because so much of it is mythology. Like, you know, we talk about Thanksgiving so that we can make cute little paper turkeys and little hats yeah. and send them home with our kindergartners. But like, this is not that. And so I'd love to, I'd love to kind of jump off from that point. Um, you know, talk to me about the Puritans, talk to me about early America, talk to me about the stuff that makes us us, and then we'll jump into how that kind of can shape our actions in the world. Yeah, so, okay, so when it comes to the Puritans, and we're gonna, we're not gonna talk about the Pilgrims, because they're not as interesting, honestly, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah. The Pilgrims came here, and they were, they were separatists Mm -hmm. when it came to their religious beliefs, in relation to the um, the Anglican Church, which is the Church of England, they came here and like their story for the first year was just about how many of them starved and how they could barely survive mm-hmm. because they didn't have the resources. They right. left. They left to start, you know, a new world, mm-hmm. you know, a world of God in their eyes. The Puritans were not like that. Yeah. The Puritans were basically like told to leave England. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and not saying that England was great at the time, you know, so, and we got to, so like, let's start, we can't start at the beginning, right? With, we can't start with Lilith, (laughs) but, but we will start with the Anglican church. Okay. Okay. So, so the Anglican church, it started as a form of Protestantism off of the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. The problem is, all of the other Protestant faiths started from a place of like faith mm-hmm. or started from the ideas of, you know, how many sacraments should there be? Right. Um, 
things like that. Or what is it? The, the term um, means how we how we uh, worship. Oh, like liturgy. orthodoxy. Yeah. Is it is it liturgy? Liturgy. How... Yeah. Liturgy is how we do services, and orthodoxy is yes. how we practice our faith. Exactly. So those were the arguments. That's what Martin Luther, John Calvin, all these people were about. Mm -hmm. Not not the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church started because King Henry VIII wanted a divorce. Yep. <laughs> he, he wanted a divorce. The Archbishop wanted to give him a divorce and went all the way to the Pope. Pope's like, no, you, you cannot get this marriage annulled. And he's like, guess what? I just started my own church. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So we're already coming, like, like the the roots are bad okay? yeah <laughs> it comes to this so now we're in england and we have the church of england and it's just it's it's a mess because they're basically my um an anglican in the united states we would call it episcopalian yeah okay? my buddy in high school was episcopalian and i did not know what that meant and he told me it's it's catholicism without the guilt yeah yep. catholicism like, light <laughs> yes and if you look at it that's pretty much what it was it was very yep. It's very similar to um, Catholic. So the Puritans weren't separatists. They wanted to purify the church. They mm -hmm. wanted reforms. They wanted um, more modesty, um, stricter gender roles. They wanted government um, to basically create the kingdom of God. Yep. And they were not willing to separate themselves from the church they were going to do it within the church yeah and it and they had a lot of power because a lot of the puritans had money and status yeah so yeah so that's where it got really bad eventually what happened is the king of england um got rid of parliament and made it illegal to try to reform the church of england in any way because he saw it as a check on his power and then started arresting beating persecuting some of the puritans i don't see yeah. how that could go wrong at all just complete yeah. unfettered power in the hands of one person yeah so what could go wrong <laughs> exactly so i mean and the thing is like the puritans were not cool yeah they were not great but like neither was the english monarchy it never has been right so that's why they left the problem is they left for what they called religious freedom. The, no. <laughs> no. They, no. They wanted, they wanted freedom from, from being persecuted themselves. Uh -huh. They wanted to do the persecuting. Right, right. Like they didn't want freedom for everybody. Yeah. They wanted freedom for themselves. Yes. Freedom for me. Uh -huh. You know, it, no, that's exactly what it was about. So, and that's where the Americana starts mm -hmm. because they put in that word religious freedom. Yes. And in the United States, we throw around the term religious freedom a lot. We do. We really do not mean religious freedom. No. In any way. No, you know? not at all. <laughs> yeah. Like all you have to do, um, the New York City mosque. Yep. Right? that was going to go in a couple blocks away from where the World Trade Center was. Oh, God. 
Yeah. One of the worst things that, you know, it's things like that. We do not have religious freedom in the United States. No, if you want to talk about religious freedom, please let me some, let, like, let's open a, a congressional, you know, function or a baseball game with a prayer in Arabic. Yes. Talk to you about religious freedom then. Yes. No, people will lose, people, when things like that happen, people lose their mind. They do. You know, Absolutely. In, our, in our Pledge of Allegiance, we say one nation under God. Yep. We do not have religious freedom. Yeah. That's an opinion, obviously. Right. I think that we have religious toleration. Mm-hmm. Like, barely tolerate. Right. Like, we're no. just crash, crossing into that yeah. precipice, right? It's not, it is not legally, it is not illegal to follow any religion. Mm-hmm. But as a society, it is not socially acceptable to follow certain religions. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not even it. What uh, Biden is only the second Catholic president, right? Like, if we want to talk about, I mean, that's that's just a difference between Catholicism and Christian that most people don't even know, right? Is that there's that division, and that's that's like cousins. Like, we're not even getting into diversity there, really. No, no, we're still talking. We're still talking about the same dude, though. We're still talking about Jesus. Literally, literally. (laughs) No. We forget that like JFK, the first Catholic president, some of the campaign, like some of the campaigns against him were people saying like, no, he's going to sell the United States to the Pope. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. It was the dual dual loyalty, you know, like that's what we're talking about. So that's why that term religious freedom, like it's it, it is not what they were here for in any way. Exactly. And like you said, that is the roots of the Americana and of the American myth, yeah. and it had only built from there. I mean, um, I know that you have some other some other like thoughts about early or early Americana, especially in terms of like witchcraft and other happenings there. Um, talk to me about talk to me about some other like ways in which this this seed of Americana began to like germinate for us. Oh yeah, so I mean, and it starts right at the bet. So you have the issue with religious freedom. Then you have the issue with what they actually like created. Um, what what Roger Williams, I think. No. No, not Roger Williams. I forget the exact guy's name, but what the actual charter was there to do. Okay. What what um the Massachusetts Bay Colony, mm-hmm. what they saw themselves as. They did not see themselves as a colony. They saw themselves as creating a city on a hill. So, and like word for word is that they, they wanted to create a city on a hill that other, that all other civilizations would look up to. Mm-hmm. As this is how you start a country. This is how, this is the ideal form of life. Yes. JFK has used that in his speeches. Ronald Reagan used that on their speeches. Yep. That right there is the core of American exceptionalism. Yeah. The idea that we are different than yep. every other nation in the world. Yep. And we are That's we are the presumed gold standard, despite being one of the youngest countries in the world. 
We are the presumed gold standard. And what becomes, I think, dangerous about Americana and American exceptionalism is when you tie in that religious element of Christian nationalism as well, where you put, where you put not, we're not, I'm not even going to say religion. It's not even, we're not putting religion uh, in equal of an equal importance. We're putting Christianity, specifically like reformationist evangelicalism. And we are marrying that to this this American idea that naturally we you should be looking at us and following what we do. Like the city on a hill is biblical terminology. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it and it goes to so when we're talking about you know in as when we were kids it was America the best nation in the world. Absolutely, like, absolutely. You know, yeah. it, and it's it. Like it's bred into you, and it comes a lot from it comes a lot from myth, mm-hmm. and with the Puritans, you have to understand how really like why that web gets, you know, because it's not just you know it's it's not just New England or it's not just Massachusetts, you know, we're talking Rhode Island, we're talking Connecticut, New Hampshire, all of the all of those. Um, states, commonwealths, were, were started because different Puritans got kicked out. Mm-hmm. So okay. they started their own. And some of them were for like noble reasons. Like the guy, um, the guy that created, uh, the, the guy that was the founder of Providence, Rhode Island, which eventually just became, this, you know, the state of Rhode Island. Um, he was kicked out because he said that the Puritans, that the colony should have no charter because they stole the land from Native Americans. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then he actually, like, when he was kicked out, he um, had to live with the local tribes for, I wanna say a year, and then eventually he was able to get the territory of New Hampshire and create his own colony. So some of them are noble reasons. And and then like in, Within all the, within all the ugly, bloody, you know, oppressive stuff in the uh-huh. early America, there's also great things, you yeah. know, like that I did not know. And I'm like, oh, wow, that is, that is something great, you know? Yeah. Then there's also terrible things. Right. Right. You know? So like the Puritans, as they continue to be in the United States, they only grew more conservative, you know, at like, so it just got deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. And the, the leaders, the head of the church was the same as the head of the state. Big mm-hmm. problem. What and could it, go wrong? <laughs> um, the doctrine eventually became that the only way that you can get salvation is through God. Mm-hmm. Not so, not good deeds, not Salvation only comes through God. Mm-hmm. So, and I haven't heard this term before, but I loved it. It was, uh, I'm going to pronounce it, antinomianism. Okay. Yes. Antinomianism, which is the idea that no matter what you do, as long as you're down with Jesus, you are saved. Right. Right. And then you're, and then you're tying that in to this structure you're building yep nothing could go wrong (laughs) it just the idea of that 
then it does not matter what you do on earth. Yeah. As long as you're down with Jesus. So sins are then just on the table. Yep. Yeah, there's this like di diplomatic immunity, which is literally <laughs> borrowing from an American political phrase to talk about this religious situation that's being created. Like you cannot talk about the development of uh, evangelicalism and modern Christianity without talking about the development of and perpetuating of Americana, right? And the idea of divine discovery and the, and the idea of manifest destiny. Like people came over just assuming that, that they were you know, sent by God or brought by God, right? And and that sets one's psyche up in a certain way to, even if you have the best intentions, you're still presuming like your own infallibility or divine providence. And yeah, that's yeah. that sets you up to be able to five, six, seven, however many generations down the line, do some dangerous and crazy shit um, yes. and pawn it off, you know? And it's so, and there's always danger in groupthink, right? Mm -hmm. There's always danger in groupthink and tribalism. But when it is justified by faith, justified by your religion, by this omnipotent power, mm -hmm. then it becomes really dangerous because then what happens is, you know, and with groupthink, then you start to see every action your opposition takes as evil. Yep. And you start to justify all of your evil actions. Yep. And that's where that's where the crazy stuff of the Puritans comes in. Yeah. That's where, you know, when we talk about the witch trials, you know, and it's, again, when we talk about American mythos, we say the Salem witch trials, and it's like, ooh, spooky. Like, no. No. There were no witches. There was yeah. no magic. There was none of that stuff. Right. And like kudos to this, you know, to the town of Salem for like marketing that. You right. Know, putting the witches everywhere. They're like, oh, look, it's spooky here. And they got like fortune tellers and crap. That's not what happened. What happened is basically there was like diseases, hard times, and a teenage girls that had a mass hysteria. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that was we're going to murder 19 people yeah like that's what it was yeah there's nothing cool about that no you no. know but in the american myth like even when we talk about the salem witch trials like we still call them witch trials no they weren't witches yeah they were regular people and most of the time these people were oppressed others yeah you know I mean, the, so the first three that were killed in the Salem Witch Trials, which, so the Salem Witch Trials basically started, I think, because, and there's a number of theories, but a lot of it comes because of issues with patriarchy. Mm -hmm. so the men obviously were in control of everything. Mm -hmm. and, and then even medicine at the time, medicine was not medicine. Medicine was religion. Yeah. You know, that's, and it's it was that way for a very long time you know um yeah same issue with the crusades we should talk about the crusades later too oh my god yes yes <laughs> so we're just, talking about, we're just talking about justification of like crazy stuff um but anyway so these 
these doctors would try to solve all the problems. Why is the cattle getting sick? Why are these kids getting sick? And they couldn't solve the problems. Mm -hmm. The issue with that is if I am the, you know, if I'm the doctor, I know nothing about medicine. So eventually I'm going to call the, you know, the pastor. Right. He's also like a leader of the town. Yeah. If he can't solve the problem. He looks very weak. Yeah. System of patriarchy and, and machismo, you cannot show weakness Absolutely. in any way. So he has to blame the problem on something. Yep. And that's where witches come in. Mm-hmm. It must be the devil. Yeah. You know, oh, obviously the devil. Yes. And these are people that believe the devil is real and acting on our planet constantly. Yes, absolutely. You know, constantly. So, so that's where I think a lot of the patriarchy comes from, but also because of the victims of all this. The victims, the victims really, um, perceived victims, really could be the, the perpetrators of all this issue, were right. teenage girls that were having fits and, you know, uh, uncontrolled movements and screaming and all this stuff. People have no idea why they did it. Some yeah. people think they were like drugs. Some people think it was just mass hysteria. Other sociologists think that it was a way for teenage girls to actually get power. Girls at that age, were, teenage girls at that time were married off early to older men who were basically property. They right. had no power whatsoever. Pretending to be possessed and watching your town freak out because of it gives you a lot of power and agency. That totally makes like psych- psychological sense in terms of de- developmental stages with teenagers too. Like that makes so much sense. Like it's the, it's the idea of like negative reinforcement, right? Uh, if we're talking like parenting terms. So that was like their way to strike back at the patriarchy and assert their own agency. So not only like you can already see in that this downfall of the American mythos as well, because like it creates a situation where there is, um, there's a, a, a false enemy, right? A false other. Like, yeah, I yeah. think that unfortunately that's also part of America and Americana and American mythology is like, what is America without an other? How many times have we not been at war in our history? It's not a lot. Basically from like, I mean, it depends. Really modern, it was when like I was a kid in the nineties. Yeah. It was Gulf War to 9-11, yep. you know? And that's part of the reason why, like, when everyone talks about, like, all oh, the 90s were so great, it was the only time in our lifetime that we haven't been at war. Yes, yes. Whether it was the Cold War, the Gulf War, like, yeah, or, the, you know, the war on terror. It's the only time that we weren't at war. So yeah. it was really exactly. both at war. Yeah. And, and I feel like in some ways, like, we've really like engineered and other so many times right to keep to keep control and and to keep that patriarchal and and divine authority in place because like i think about this all the time um in terms of both america modern american like philosophy and ethos and also in religion like what is america without another what is you know uh christianity without perceived persecution right it's they they feed off of those things you know what i mean and and that in that way we start to see how the that puritanical mindset and that that salem witch hunt mindset 
you can start to see how it shapes the ways we act in the world today. Because yes. like today in America, we're not, you know, the, the neo-patriotism thing that's happening is like, if you say anything that's critical of the government, you know, you're anti-American, but also don't tread on me. Like how somehow yeah, those are supposed to be the same thing. Yes, don't, don't trust the government, but, you know, be proud of the flag. Exactly, exactly. Like, like it, no, and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. Well, because what America is for, you know, many people, it differs based on your culture, based on your politics, based on your religion, mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, some churches say the Pledge of Allegiance church. Like, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah. You know, what are we yeah. doing? And some, and some city councils have a prayer before they start the meeting. Like, again, what are Only we doing? Only in. <laughs> again, what are we doing? This, so, again, we say freedom of religion. We say separation of church and state. No. But There's we don't no actually believe that. That's all small talk, right? Yes. And that is all... Um, it's... It's, it's propaganda is what it is, right? It's, it's a political marketing scheme, which is propaganda. And it's a political marketing scheme that is designed to perpetuate itself, right? Yeah. And I think that, that situations like that give rise to people like Donald Trump, right? To give rise oh, yeah. to fascist situations. And I know the rise of fascism is a favorite of your topic of yours as well. Okay. And I think that what what we've done is set the stage for this political hyper hyperbolism with a, a human caricature like Donald Trump, right? Because we've set the stage for this need for infallibility and complete denial of responsibility and complete and absolute like claim to authoritarian greatness. Absolutely. America so I forget the who the quote is from, but there's a quote that Amer in America, fascism will come wrapped in a flag. Mm, it's like, mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Germany, so people think when they think fascism, they think Hitler. Hitler was a fascist, obviously, but that form of fascism could only work in Germany. Right. Just like um, Mussolini could only work in Italy. You right. know, um, I forget the guy's name, but the, there's a current president in Hungary. He's fascist. Yes. You know, yeah, yes. that's what he is. Yes. Um, in America, the way that you get fascism is through patriotism, which is actually nationalism. You know, that's another issue where we have a very blurred line, you know, between patriotism and nationalism. And it will come from Christianity. It will come from that evangelical wing of Christianity. Yes, absolutely. We've seen that constantly. Now, that's not saying that, you know, liberal... Um, non-Christian Americans, you know, as present would necessarily be better. There right. are, are also bad stuff. Uh, that, there's some bad stuff that can come from the left, can come from non-Christianity. We're not going to talk about Cuomo. <laughs> exactly. But that's not fascism. Right. It's different, you exactly. know. Um, and I mean, since we did mention Cuomo, Cuomo and Trump, there's not that much of a difference. Yeah. There's really not that much of a different style, way of um, going about government. I, I mean, I have to really look into it. I'd have to look into Cuomo more. But as a governor, he was pretty fashy. You yeah. Know? And he was not left. Right, no. right. Like people that are like, he was so progressive. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't forget, like downstate New York, Trump and Cuomo both came from it. That's just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. And and they came from this factory of Americana, of, of, of American yeah. uh, American exceptionalism and patriarchy and 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 just assumed supremacy, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of times when people are like, oh, okay, boomer, this idea of okay, boomer is much of that idea of this assumed level of privilege and perfectionism, you know, uh, perfectionism. But the problem is, is that like, that is just an assumption that's not actually an earned um, title, right? Like you haven't earned your credibility. You know what I mean? Yeah, like we have this weird, and I don't want to get too, I don't want to get too removed from the witches. Yeah. They're fun. But we have this weird thing in the United States and we're seeing it now with like the, the whole issue with minimum wage rising and unemployment mm -hmm. benefits where we're the best country in the, in the world, but you have to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Oh, and I'm yes. like, Okay, like, so to me, those are very much opposed because yes. it's pull, the phrase pulling yourself up by your bootstraps was a joke because it's impossible to do. Okay. Like, try to sit on the ground, grab your shoelaces and pull yourself up just use, you cannot do it. You can't do it. That's logistically that was, impossible. So just that idea is trash but we yeah. it again as that american mythos you pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah and the people that are telling us that are either like like if we're here at level one they're at like level 1.25 mm -hmm. they're like i made it i'm like nah you did you, really, you didn't really make it right didn't really make it bro you know like, yeah, so many yeah. people think that way in terms of American economy, too. People will claim uh, the title of middle class when really middle class is, is not what you think it is. Like, people will claim middle class here, like, and only, and, and I'm like, bro, you are lucky if you're cracking upper low class. You know yeah. what I mean? If you want to look at the actual demographics, like, upper class, the 1% wants you to think that you serve, that you have arrived because you paid all your bills and still have some savings. Our idea of middle class got blended with working class. Yes. They're not the same thing. Not the same thing. Like middle class came from, uh, and, and so, and that actually can bring us to the Crusades and yeah. or the Middle Ages and the plague and all that crap. So that, the idea like working class started after the Crusades, or not the Crusades, started after the plague because like a third of Europe died. Mm -hmm. And once a third of Europe died, the pet wasn't that many of them left. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, we're not going to do that work unless you pay us. Yeah. What we're experiencing in the United States right now has a lot of that same energy mm -hmm. where it's, we're going through a pandemic. We can stay home and still do okay mm -hmm. or at least just as good as if I was working that horrible job and all that advice you gave me to well if you want a better life get a better job it's like you know what you're right I'm not going back there yeah just 
people are losing their minds because it's breaking that myth. Yep. It's breaking that idea that it's your fault that you're working here, which is why I can treat you like crap, Mm -hmm. you know, which is why I don't have to worry about how much you make because you keep my prices low. Yeah. That whole thing is cracked now. Yeah. The whole system really is cracked. And that's what's funny because I find this American mythos, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps thing, becoming a very common narrative now. Uh, Like when we were out in Olean protesting, right, uh, for Black Lives Matter last year, we did a weekly protest. Shout out to the people who were there every week because there were some that were there and there were some that were not. And that's a whole other story. Um, But we were there every week, every week registering voters and saying Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. That was it. And you know what one of the most common things was that people yelled at us? Get a, Get a job. job. And we're like, it's yep. six o'clock on a Tuesday. We have three business owners yep. here. Get like, what are job. you talking about? Yes. But th- the system is cracked now. And suddenly I'm not worthy because I'm not at work at six o'clock on an evening, or I'm not a good American because I would rather collect the unemployment insurance that I paid for. Yes, you paid for it. I paid for, I've been, I personally been paying for unemployment since I was 14. That is when I first contributed to the unemployment uh, fund. So I guess I will claim it. Uh, But apparently I'm a bad American for not pulling myself up by my bootstrap and going back to either a terrible job or a job that's going to expose me to potentially to COVID. And, And this is, I think this is so important because you see those early trends of Americana and you see the insidious DNA of it bring us to where we are today. One, and the... The um, oppression and, you know, um, I can't find the word right now, but the way we treat the other. Mm-hmm. And that comes up with the Puritans as well. I mean, with their very name, they wanted to purify the church. Yeah. Very problematic. But look at the people that were the victims of, you know, of the Salem witch trials. We're talking about like um, the most common name that people know is Tichuba, mm-hmm. who was, you know, a black woman who lived outside of the village. She was accused of being a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was there was one woman who was oh, where'd my notes go? Anyway, there was yeah, there was one woman who was homeless, and there was one woman who didn't go to church. Those wow. were the three: a black woman, homeless woman, woman that didn't go to church. Those were the first three. They were the other they were the ones that went against the social grain the easiest ones to blame for the problems now look at what we do in america to this day yeah immigrants they're the problem i mean all you have to do is go go on any like little conservative town olean jamestown whatever on their newspapers you know um, facebook anytime you look at the comment section you'll see well, you know, why don't they close the southern border? Because that's where all the COVID's coming from. Yeah. Yep. You'll see and like every time. What? Like no, what? No, it doesn't. It doesn't ri- but that's the thing. Yep. Othering, discrimination, prejudice of any kind doesn't have to make any logical sense. No. Yeah. 
No, because we're not because we're not bound to logic. Because uh, someone put in the comment feed, your mom, your mom's on here. Hey, mom, uh, <laughs> your mom dropped in the feed that you know. For example, Cuomo, who came from a line of power and he was raised to claim power, and that's and that's kind of that is one again those insidious trends of Americana and patriarchy and this system that we've built is we're raised to claim power and we're raised to blame the other, and so. Yeah these historical trends lend themselves into our political and religious and social and economical ideology that we have today. And on both sides. Yes. And on yeah. both sides with it, we will other, we, we're doing this othering. Um, I am constantly talking and reading comments and just having these conversations with Democrats that are blaming um, our low vaccination rates on Republicans. Mm -hmm. Now, it is true that like trending wise, um, white males that are more conservative are have low vaccination rates. Mm -hmm. New York City has extremely low vaccination rates. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn is at like 30% vaccination. The black, black community has very low vaccination rates. Hispanic community has very low vaccination rates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are layers as to why. Yeah. Veterans have low vaccination rates when it comes to COVID-19. You've already I've been shot up with a bunch of stuff at that point if you're a veteran. And that's a I, I have personally talked to three veterans who that is exactly why. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to get they are required to get inoculations. Yeah. And they got sick. They dealt with all the like. Yeah, so they're like, no, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Now, also, I... healthcare, when we make something like healthcare about profit mm -hmm. and teach people that this is something that is not a necessity, not a human right, then we're making it something that you can kind of like, you know, you make your own choices when it comes to your healthcare and really if you want to go bankrupt or not. And then we yes. wonder why people won't get vaccinations. They're like, yo, I haven't had healthcare in 10 years. COVID, I'm good. Yeah, exactly. Like it hasn't been an option for me for 10 years. And I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up that it comes from both sides of the table, uh, which is an unfortunate part of American mythos is that there's only two sides to a table. I think the table's round. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it, it's much more of a demographic thing than it is a uh, then it is a, then it is a side thing. And I think that's another place that our ideology twists us, uh, our American ideology twists our thinking and skews our thinking into this polemic other, uh, when really, like I said, the table is supposed to be round all along. Yeah. Well, and we were tribal, so we think that there is not, that people don't have these layers, right? Right. And we're puritanical, so it's either or. It's hyper, it was hyperbolic from the start. America was yeah. founded in hyperbole. Yeah, you can't, you can't be, you aren't seen as your multidimensional self. You're not intersectional. You are, you're Democrat, you're Republican, you're white, you're black, you're, you know, uh, that's why LGBTQ freaks so many people out. It does. You know? Oh my God, people cannot handle me being non-binary. They're like, but 
but do you have a beard? And I'm like, so <laughs> like, do yeah. we, do we want to talk about that? Cause like we could talk about other anatomy, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and, and that's it. I love like, the people. Oh. I love, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Oh, I no, love no. the people that when you make your videos and stuff and they're like, they're like, Hey, you're a guy deal with it. You were born a man. and I'm like, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that confirmation, That's gender euphoria. Funny. You know what I mean? I love that. But for no, those like, of you who haven't seen it, I had a TikTok go viral uh, about being non-binary and about my pronouns being they, them. And one of the biggest comments from trolls was, you're a guy, get used to it. Um, plot twist, I was assigned to female at birth. So <laughs> thank you, trolls. Thank you for yes. doing me a favor here and just affirming how effective my transition was. But we can't do non-binary nature. It just no. I mean, even myself, like I try to be progressive and you know a good ally to the LGBTQ community. But even sometimes, me, I'm like, like I I have to think right. That's tough because that's how we were raised. Yes, you know that that's the culture. That's the nation society that we're in yep yeah and and these and the layers root, of culture the roots the roots oh. are in, you know yeah. some of the and some of the roots are are great but i wish we would talk about the real great things when it came to u.s history instead of the the fake you know the fake things that like that don't exist let's go there for a moment because yeah. i do truly believe um now, I struggle with this because in a lot of ways, I believe the American system is working as it was designed to work, which I think is a fundamental flaw. But I think there are some good things that at least things that I was taught about America that do give me hope, right? Um, and I do think that we really are, there really is, at least in rhetoric, there's supposed to be an idea of liberty and justice for all. Now, if we actually lived up to that, America would look a lot different. But do I think that maybe that's a part of the American DNA that we should aspire to, right? Like I see America as an aspirational thing that we should be. Yes. Like the the goals that were laid out in the beginning and not really in the beginning as far as like because we also don't talk about what our actual history is as far as how we created this country because we completely forget about the articles of confederation mm. which is, which is like you know this this we had a country that wasn't really a country for a little while and it didn't work like, yeah it, it was broken it was bad you know but when we're talking about the our current constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the idea of America, like we're talking about a, a nation built on the idea of natural rights, right? Mm -hmm. That you have the right to life, liberty, and property. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. The, these are things, yeah. Yep. These are things, that, and at the time, other nations did not have that. Mm -hmm. You know, Russia, you still had serfs, which were... Yeah basically enslaved people that were just tied to the land yeah you know um you had peasant classes in most of europe you know uh, and of course you know and and still to this day when we talk about these ideas life liberty property the idea of natural rights the idea of separation of church and state the idea of freedom of religion these are great ideals mm -hmm. we have yet to achieve them absolutely 
but as a country, we should be able to say, look at like look at the foundation, look at the things that we were made on. You know, we haven't gotten there yet. Let's keep going forward. Yes. But the, but the problem is then it's like, oh, why aren't you proud to be an American? You know? Right. Uh, it's you know what's funny is um, there's an idea within biblical and Christian circles of, of biblical literalism, right? And so for those of you who are watching who might not be familiar with this, the idea is that a lot, especially evangelical American Christians will claim biblical literalism, literalism which is like, I just believe what the Bible says, uh, which in a lot of ways is a cop-out, but in a lot of ways, right? Oh, it's um, like it's, it is flawed at its very core. It is. It's flawed at its very core. And I always like to use the phrase, I take the Bible too seriously to take it literally. And mm. so I see it as a book full of aspirations uh, played out by flawed actors, right? And I also see it as a book that was not penned by God. Sorry if I'm freaking anybody out right now, but giant sky dad didn't come down with his sky bit pen and write the Bible, right? But I see it as a book of tales um, that give us aspirational ideas to work towards. And I also feel like there's a lot of that within Americana is we have these like almost constitutional patriotic nationalist literalists, but we've forgotten about the spirit behind what we were trying to work towards. Flawed AF, actors that were flawed as fuck. Yes. People that were flawed as fuck, decisions that were flawed, but there is an aspirational idea that I think has value in the world. Like you said, there were still serfs, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. And we had, and we had people that were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. But you cannot, in my, in my opinion, you cannot free the enslaved people without having that foundation of what natural rights really are yes that's what i think is important you know because yeah. that's where it comes from is you know if we're gonna say something like you know all men are created equal mm -hmm. i want to actually do that yeah i want to see these people as men yes and then if we're going to say full men not three-fifths yeah. of a man exactly or a merciless savage you know yeah and then if we're going to see these people as men when can we start seeing women as equal to that so i think you the i think it's one of the fatal not fatal i think it's one of the flaws of people on the left sometimes and i'm on the left but that's why i criticize the left a lot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something my my dad like really has been hammering home to me the last couple of years i'm starting to kind of get it like we have to claim our patriotism. Like, mm -hmm. no, I am proud to be an American. Yeah, I'm American too. And because of that, that's why I'm going to make this country better. Like, that's yes. why I'm going to work to fix stuff. Yes. Okay. So at the same time, um, my friend Suzanne commented yeah. on here in the comments about how at the same time as this, our right to dissent and to assemble and to and to address grievances is supposed to be a fundamental tenet of American philosophy, but that is what is cut off. And so I feel like we run into problems with both faith and and 
you know, country, faith and Americana, Christianity Americana. We run into problems when we start to truncate the idea that there is a need to be self-critical. Um, I interviewed Dr. Rachel Mikva, who's a rabbi and a professor at my seminary a couple months ago. Um, and we, she wrote a book called Dangerous Religious Ideas. Uh, the subtitle is The Deep Roots of Self-Critical Faith. And what you'll see is all of uh, the, the Abrahamic faiths are actually deeply self-critical if you really read the book, right? Yes. But when you cut off or truncate or disavow that need to be self-critical, then you become um, unhinged. You become Donald Trump. You become fascist. You become uh, domineering. And I think you see this same sort of thing happen within America as well. Like when you truncate that self-reflexive nature that is supposed to be built in to the country, when you cut that off, you, everything starts to go awry. Absolutely everything. Yes. yes. No, that's, a, there's so much truth in that. Because, I mean, and you've been, you, you have been protesting, I've been protesting, we were told to get jobs, we were told why are, you know, uh, cri you know, criticized for protesting. Throughout the entire history of the United States, protesters and activists have always been criticized. Always. This, this, like the country started because of a protest. Exactly, like exactly. The, and then protest. And that's, actually a, that's actually kind of a, not necessarily true. It, the Boston Tea Party was more of a riot than it was a protest. Like yeah. the damage to the property was it, like in today's dollars, millions, mm -hmm. millions of dollars in, in property damage, yep. Yep. you know? It, but that is glorified right because it's a part of history right you but know? if we protest the systemic uh you know disenfranchisement of people of black and brown skin that's unpatriotic yes like what yes. there's so much cognitive dissonance there and i think that we have to have to have to realize that like a system that is flawed is going to have ramifications that have systemic effects on groups of people. Like the idea that systemic racism doesn't exist is mind boggling to me. Yeah. I have had conversations with college educated people who would I would have considered to be friends and they will argue left, right and center that systemic racism does not exist and that white people can experience racism. And I am like, how, you know what I mean? How? Yeah, that, but like by definition, it doesn't make sense. But we've, that's also part of the American myth. Like mm -hmm. We've taught, we teach kids in elementary school that racism died with Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. That he, that we used to have slaves and then we fixed it because yeah. we're Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And then women, ooh, women couldn't vote, but they had suffragettes, they fixed it. Fixed and then it. Racism. And Martin Luther King fixed racism. Fixed it. And he did it by being nice. Yes. Don't be mean like Martin Luther, but like Malcolm X. Don't right. do that. Right. He was bad. Yep. Martin, good. Malcolm, bad. Exactly. No, that's it. But that's the problem with how we teach social studies at the elementary level, because it's all this, you know, this idea that these problems are solved, gone. Mm -hmm. And that there is no ripple effect, that it doesn't take generations to, to weed these things out. Right. And you, you're teaching them that these things are done by one person. 
each time. Yeah. And that these things are just problem solved. Yeah. You know, and we teach so many aspects of history in the elementary school level like that, like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was this fun potluck between yeah. the native people and the pilgrims and they met and they had dinner and they were friends. Yeah. And, and, and then they were just friends. Don't look into it any further. No. Yeah, nothing. Don't peel back the surface. Nothing yeah. bad happened like, to and natives. Happened, and then what happened next? Good night. Yep. See you yeah. later, kids. Take oh, your construction no. construction paper hats home. <laughs> and that's where, and that's where, like, to me, that's where the fun starts. Like, that's the fun part of history that we don't talk about. Like, okay, like, okay, the Thanksgiving idea, the dinner, that happened because they were talking about creating a wartime alliance. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that they were talking about creating a wartime alliance because the Wampapog um, nation was just decimated by disease mm -hmm. that was brought over by the pilgrims, <laughs> okay? Because that's mm -hmm. the one thing that Europe definitely brought over was a lot of diseases. Yeah. And the pilgrims were, on their last legs because they barely survived the winter because they had no idea how to survive in this climate. They had no idea how to survive in America. So they created that wartime alliance and they actually went about it for a little while. Then eventually there was more war, more disease, and they completely wiped out that tribe. Yeah. But that's where you talk about, like, that's the, that's the interesting stuff. Like, wow, there was a wartime alliance. Yeah. Like, wow. Both of these, like they had to try to come together and compromise. And then you can talk about how, who are they, who were they getting into a war with? Right. Other Native American nations. Why would Native Americans fight Native Americans? Because they were not monolithic. Mm -hmm. There were thousands of different nations, each with their own culture. You see how we went from like the stupid cookie cutter fairy tale lie to wow look at all this a whole story you're telling me that this native american nation isn't the same as that native american nation mm -hmm. and then you get into something like king philip's war which is just like there's so much more there if you start to actually peel back the layers that's when we can get people really interested in history yeah yeah and, then, and i I think that in that process, like the, it's like again age old phrase, like I feel like a fortune cookie saying it, but like, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. Yes. And I feel like when we buy into the, the American mythos idea of American exceptionalism or nationalism, we fail to learn from people who have been there, done this before. Like if I was Europe, I would be, I picture Europe as like a parent, right? Uh, looking at a teenager being like, yeah, try that. Nothing could go wrong. You know what I mean? Like we're so, it, it, a part of the American mythos is this infallibility that we think that we're, we think we're exceptional and we're not going to do the same shit that other nations have done yeah. like does it i mean i feel like every nation at some point's got a fascist in there somewhere right yeah. and there's a rise oh, yeah. and there's a fall and there's shifts oh, and there's changes yeah. and there's governmental restructuring but nope we got it right on the first shot because we're white and male yes we did it right nailed it the best country in the world and we're, and we're never had any problems america fuck yeah, yeah. 
Okay, now I ask you. Yeah, exactly. And I'll ask you this. When did you find out? When did you first find out that America lost the Vietnam War? Maybe never. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was just like, yeah, America undefeated. We don't lose wars. Yeah. Vietnam, yeah. Korea, we won them. Like Cold War won it. Gulf did War it. won it. Did the thing. Yeah. Um, interesting then, fact too. Oh. I dropped that number of, of years that we've been at war and I tagged my friend who told me it. Um, uh, and she, she came through, Suzanne came through, um, you know, Hannah, Hannah, dope ass Hannah that you did a bunch of videos with her mom came oh, through. Man. Uh, no. But as of 2005, we have been at war for 222 of the 239 years since we became a country. Uh, but we've been at war since then, too. So now we're more around 228 years of our 245 year history. We've been at war. Yes. Um, and yeah, I like, think a lot of that is the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we, we have to like I, I you got to think about like Somalia. Mm hmm. Because I don't know if that, like, if we're going to count that, but like a lot of that is the 90s. And that's why I like millennials when we think about like our childhoods and like, wow, why is everything like so messed up now? It's like, well, you know, we lived at a, in a peaceful time. Yep. yep. So yeah, thank you to her for- I know it was such a clutch. It was such a clutch thing. I had to, uh, I had to bring it up. There's also some good conversation about uh, Native American uh, women who inspired uh, early American feminists. Uh, there's a, a link to a book called Sisters in Spirit, if anyone's interested yes. in that. Um, so, so when it comes to Native American women, not, we're not even talking about like early American feminists. We're talking about without the Iroquois Confederacy, we don't have we don't have the American government as we know it, period. Explain. So, so the Iroquois, and we also don't have the United Nations. We don't have the League of Nations, none of it. So the Iroquois Confederacy is actually six different um, Native American nations mm -hmm. that were all warring at, at the time. I don't know if I'm going to take Let's see if I can do it. So we have, this is a big test for me. So we have the Seneca, the Huron, the Mohawk, Oneida, and I want to say Onondaga. Someone, Onondaga was what I was thinking too. Someone check that for me because I want to make sure. But anyway, um, the big players in that were the Seneca and the Mohawk. Seneca were all the way on the western door, Mohawk all the way in the east. Now, these were warring nations, all that. Um, the way that they got together is they actually had, like they had to have um conferences and they you know and i'm shortening it a lot but they had to meet as these different warring nations and that's where the idea of the longhouse came in mm -hmm. the longhouse was meeting all from these different nations forming a confederacy where we are each our own individual nation but together we can form this and we're strong and the way they did it is you know um i think it might have been hiawatha i'm not positive there there are two different guys but he had an arrow like this. He had um, uh, all or a bunch of different arrows. And he said, everybody break an arrow. They each broke the arrow. He goes, okay. And then he got the arrows and tied them together. He said, now break it. And they could. Mm -hmm. And that's the idea of the Iroquois Confederacy. Mm. And it was the idea that women have a role. They're actually um, the, the heads of the government. Mm -hmm. Um, it was the idea that men have distinct roles, mostly as, um, you know, warriors. So like the men could be chiefs mm -hmm. and, you know, basically like head of state, but women were the ones that elected the chiefs. Ooh. 
you know? And we're talking like documented things like there was divorce uh -huh. among the Iroquois it, and women had the right to do that. Uh -huh. you, know? you, you simply, because your husband had to move in with your family, because naturally uh -huh. you took his stuff, you put it outside the door. He no longer lives there. You have divorce. Like we're talking like the bedrock of a lot of these things. Yeah. You, you don't have, you do not have American government without that. Without that. You don't. And of course, you know, Greece and Rome and other, of course, but it was right there. Yeah, there was a there was a palpable influence, right? When we're talking about Native American influence on American government, but we don't want to talk about that either. Like um, yeah. there's people who don't know that Native Americans still exist. Like <laughs> there's oh, people oh. who think like Indians are a thing of the past, right? Like no... Uh, no real idea. And that blew my mind when I, I was reading in preparation for this conversation today about people who literally just didn't know that Native Americans still exist. Uh, presumably not in this area because we do have um, Salamanca and some some more cultural competency. I'm not going to say a lot, but I'm going to say yeah. some. Um, but but there's that there therein is an absolute antidote to the um, kryptonite of American exceptionalism, because I think American exceptionalism, Americana thought, American myth, uh, Christian nationalism, all of these things are actually um, a weakness because yeah. they keep us isolated from other good ideas <laughs> and they keep us focused on the things with only within only that we can generate within our own being right of america we don't take hints from other cultures we don't no. um we don't take advice from people who have done it before we don't take in the beauty and the wonder and the strength and the nuance of native american culture we don't take that in because not us, not a, not our guy. You know what I mean. And I want to correct myself because I massacred this. I knew I would. So it's Seneca, Cayuga, Onondaga, Oneida, Tuscarora, Mohawk. So I think I mixed up at least one of them. Yes. People will blame me for, and they should appreciate the but, fact check. <laughs> yes. But no, absolutely. Like we we don't take advice from other nations. We also don't learn from those other nations' mistakes. Is we're exceptional. Right. The, the, think about COVID. Yeah. Before it actually got here, did anyone think that it would? No. Most people did not. There were some, like, I'll give credit, and I won't drop his name here because I can't with students, but I had a student that in, like, like late January that year, he was like, yo, like, COVID. And I, he's like, no, like, you need to look at what's happening with the coronavirus in China. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's gonna get here and it's gonna be horrible. And I was like, "Whatever, kid." Like, you know, swine flu, you know, <laughs> Ebola. Like, I've been. <laughs> and this kid was, he was right. He was dead on. And I saw, like, I saw him back in school this year after being shut down a year, and I was like, "Bro, you, you were right." You called like, this. Go buy lottery tickets. But. <laughs> Go buy lottery tickets because this was a complete myth that happened completely randomly and no one could have predicted. Yeah, well, you got it, bro. But um, but no, like we don't, we think that we're exceptional. We think that that's not going to affect us. But we also don't think that, we don't take advice from other countries. Mm -hmm. We don't think, and we don't think that our problems are ever going to meet us. Right. A lot of that issue comes from war. Yeah. We don't get attacked. Right. We do the and attack. We, 
Look at what happens when we get attacked. Yeah. Pearl Harbor, 9-11. Yep. We lost our minds. Yes. Yeah. It's like a man cold. You know what I mean? How women are always oh. saying like, like the man cold, like it's just, we just lose our minds at the yeah. smallest, at the smallest, um, you know, notion that how someone else acts could affect us. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't vibe with that. We're exceptional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And we have just a, you get a sliver and you're like, I'm going to die. You know, exactly. <laughs> like, ah, welcome to America. Right. Like yeah. you need a bandaid. Yeah. Um, this, we have just a few minutes left, so I want to kind of bring this home, but I feel like, and I would love to get your thought process on this maybe, but, but I feel like we've laid out a pretty good case um, for the idea of American myth and Americana and, and ethos. How do you think that we begin to um, personally, right? How do you think that we as people begin to deconstruct this idea of the American myth and the privilege and thought process that it brings with it. Because I think if we're going to change our country, we've got to change as individuals first. So do you have any thoughts or ideas on, you know, what you've done to be a person who, who questions what you've been taught more? Yeah. And I, and I really try. So as, as a teacher, as a socialist teacher, there's like a ton of different lenses that people use like some do teach from a very patriotic point of view I don't I don't really do that and I but my weakness sometimes is that I think I'm too critical mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. but other I work with other people they're like no you're not really critical enough uh -huh. so if you're looking into history I would try to look at it from a like look at it from the standpoint of like trying to get the whole truth and know that absolutely everything you touch is bias. Mm -hmm. The source has bias. You are going in with your own biases. Just know that. Yeah. And know that when you're looking at history, it's not good, bad. It's not it's not black and white. It's not these people are good, these people are evil. Mm -hmm. It's that problem again with the binary that we have in our society, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the founding fathers, good people, right? right. Confederate generals, bad people. Mm -hmm. you know, civil rights leaders, Martin Luther King, good guy. Malcolm X, bad guy. No, how about just people? Mm -hmm. you know, it, and here you're going to get like Justin's Christianity. Whoo, it's rare to see. But if we're going into this with the mindset of Christians or with people of faith at all, people are sinners, mm -hmm. which means people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everyone is flawed at their core. Mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why we have Christianity. That's why Jesus died. Right. 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 So when you look at history, look at them the exact same way. Yeah. Look at these people the exact same way, you know, yeah. when it comes to what you're really looking at. And it's not saying that some people aren't great. Right. And some people are complete, like, horrible monsters. Hitler yeah. 
Hitler, it's safe to say, I give you permission to say that he's a shithead. He's safe. a horrible monster. <laughs> Bad guy, you Bad know? Guy. Martin Luther King, we can say good guy, yeah. you know? But when you're looking at Martin Luther King, also look for his flaws. Yes. Look for his flaws. Do that because yeah. you'll learn how he overcame them. How cool is that? Right, exactly. So, like you look at yourself and you're like, wow, I'm not perfect. You're mm -hmm. right. But Martin Luther King, this good guy, made some mistakes. He yeah. did some bad stuff. He questioned things at the time. Look at Selma. I mean, Selma, he legitimately had children go out and demonstrate because he knew that they would get arrested and fire hosed and have dogs in on them and that that would get the most attention. Mm -hmm. He did that on purpose. He put children in harm's way. Yeah. What the hell? That yeah. seems horrible. But you know what? Was it justified? Because they were already in harm's way just by merely being Black and American. Right. Right. Like, that's, that's where the fun and interesting things comes from. That's, and that's where, where the learning comes from. That's, ex as I was just saying, that's where the nuance and the growth comes from. And I think that that's been true, you know, speaking from my own vantage point, because that's the one I can best speak from, right? Um, for me, such amazing growth has happened in me as a person. And I'm talking within the past year right? I'm talking within the past year, uh, amazing growth has, has happened within me as a person because I've begun to be cognizant of my own fallibility because I realize that I'm taught to not believe I'm fallible, right? I'm white. Mm -hmm. I'm not fallible. I'm white. There's no inherent privilege yeah. with that except for perfection, you know, but I've also, uh, I've begun to look for the fallibility in myself. And I've also begun to learn to be cognizant of the lenses and biases that I have within me because a, a bias is not necessarily bad. It's a, it's a morally neutral thing, right? I am biased to think certain things about winter because I've experienced it all the time. You know, uh, I am biased to think certain things about um, masculinity and femininity because of the culture I live in. So it's not necessarily a disavowing of any and all bias, I think. And I think this is where people run the risk when they say the term colorblind, like, oh, I don't see color. I think that's a cop-out. I see color. And I acknowledge the differences that it creates. And I choose to step into the understanding that you have something to teach me and I have something to teach you. And it's of equal merit, no matter what color our skin is. And I think that we have to, we have to cultivate that self-reflexive nature within ourselves emotionally, uh, within ourselves sociologically, within ourselves spiritually, uh, and with, within ourselves, uh, you know, as a political agent in this world, we have to cultivate a knowledge of our own own context and both acknowledge it and be willing to see that other people have context and learn from them. And I think that that's something that the past year has taught me even more than I ever realized before. 100%. And the thing, and man, and when we look at history, so as, a, and as a social studies teacher, I really try to, I really try to, um, focus on this in my classroom is whenever you're looking at history don't just look at it for history's sake mm -hmm. look at it for yourself like self-growth yeah and I think what you just mentioned is like you're looking at your own biases you look like there's no reason why we can't just take everything that we're experiencing in our life and try to learn something from it 
Absolutely. That's where America is having, where we as a country are having so many issues is we have, we have people that are told that they are infallible, that they, and that this country is the greatest you know, place on earth. Yeah. And the issue with that is that when we hear that it's the greatest place, the best country, you have every opportunity, and then I'm still struggling, mm-hmm. then I still can't put food on my table, then I still have to worry about how I'm going to feed my family, then what's the problem? Right. Why isn't this adding up? Right. And then we kick back to the other American tradition of otherism. Yes. That's where it's not that it's not that this country has flaws. It's that you are the one bringing all of us down. Yes. And you are not one of us. Yeah. You're not American, whether you're black, whether you're immigrant, whether you're LGBTQ, you're of another religion that's not Christian, you're not really American. Yes. Especially if that's the identity you want to have. Yes. And in some ways, the system was set up to perpetuate that. The system was set up to shift blame onto the individual, much like within religion, too. The system is set up to blame the individual for being flawed instead of perhaps it's the system that has developed over centuries that has created the problem. And so I think we have to first start by being self-reflexive and aware, and then we have to be self-reflect, or then we have to be reflective and critical of the systems with which we operate within. Um, Because I don't think any change, and this is something that any social worker will tell you, is that you can't create any change without both direct service and policy work. You cannot create change in people's lives without both of those things. And I think that that is what will lead us forward as America, as people of any sort of spirituality, is when we can hold in both hands an idea that we need to change and the system might need to change also. And both are of equal importance, you know. I think that that's the important thing. There is not enough, doesn't matter how much you attack systems, if you have flaws in yourself and you have just if if you have morals that are or your morals and your actions are diametrically opposed that is not going to work yeah but there is not enough work you can do on yourself yes to you personally overcome systems that are unjust yes yeah it no it takes both i like that and if you want to get real the bible is a book as much about personal development as it is about the overthrow of corrupt systems. And I'll, you know, that's a whole, that dog will preach uh, uh, for hours, right? But the Bible is a book about the overthrow of oppressive systems as well as the growth of the individual. So I like, you know. I like my young Jesus going into the temple and just flipping just stuff. Flipping some tables, man. People That's, forget that. That was a part of the whole shtick, right? Like that was a part of the like the crazy part of Christianity. Like Jesus flipping tables. They forget like um they forget my girl Lilith. They forget um what is it revelations where Jesus comes back and he spit swords from his mouth on the horse <laughs> fire. Like they forget this stuff. And even in our history, like we forget the the cool stuff. Like we forget mm-hmm. during during the plague the flagellates that were like you know what god's not curing enough of us we must be the problem i don't want the plague so i'm gonna beat myself in the streets yeah yeah 
Like, yeah, it's the fun stuff because it's crazy. Yeah, and, and you forget but, that. Yeah, and but just right there, and people are like, well, why is it interesting to you? And how can you connect that to yourself? Jesus flipping tables is overthrow of these institutions, saying that these institutions are unjust, therefore we must dismantle them. Exactly. Flatulates in the in the streets when they were beating themselves, they were taking the power into their own hands, saying, We don't need our priests. Yeah. Which at the time was revolutionary. Oh, that that dog will preach as well. <laughs> hated those people. Yeah. They hated them. Yep. And that's why, you know, let's bring it back to the Puritans real quick. Whenever someone was um, you know tried as a witch done all these things they always told them like you are the one you have to repent your sins you have to forgive it and the ones that didn't were the ones that they killed but the yeah. ultimate act of rebellion that they had which i think is very american witches couldn't say the lord's prayer mm-hmm. they can they couldn't do it mm-hmm. and they're like there are so many hundreds of accounts from not only witch trials in the united states but in europe as well of when these people were um, hung, they they started saying the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Like, as the noose went around them, they started yelling the Lord's Prayer. And it's just like this, that defiance, like that's the Christianity where I'm like, yeah. Yeah, right? And, and that's the that's the American vibe I can fuck with, right? <laughs> and I hope Facebook doesn't take down this video because I said the F word. But but like that's that's what I'm in it for is complete and total unfettered commitment to both bettering myself and bettering the systems that are at play in the world so that other people can better themselves and not experience a ceiling or a limit or a stopping point, right? That's what I'm in spirituality for. That's why I still make these videos. If one person watched this video today and still got something out of it, it would be worth the effort because that's what I'm in it for, you know, so. Well, I mean, and I love it. I could have, I mean, we could talk for hours. Yeah. You know that, Leo. We absolutely because the wives will they won't tolerate it. And they right, should they will not. They shouldn't have to. Right. Yeah, you know, we love our wives. We do. Um, <laughs> but but no, that's exactly what that's why I love history. That's why I do love talking about faith and spiritualism, because it's like, no, this is how we this is how we really get through the system. Yeah, it's all it's all enmeshed and we can't. We can't do one without the other. You need direct services and you need policy work, right? Social worker and me, so. Um, Well, Justin, I have to say thank you so much. Like your expertise in this matter and the the particular way in which your mind weaves together um, history and, you know, uh, intellectuality and spirituality, uh, it really is exciting to me. One of, uh, one of my most favorite people to talk to because it's like you just get it, you know? Uh, so I have to thank you for your time away from your wife and kids and for your, you know, your official uh, fourth appearance, right? You're only the second person in history is to do this. now? Yeah. It is four. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I was featured in my school's yearbook and I was the feature like the description was that I I'm like a mom that runs into a person they haven't seen in a while at the grocery store and just everything yep yep, yep. My, I, and they nailed it That's they did they nailed no, it no I love doing <laughs> I love doing this if like if the only person watching is my mom then I'm fine 
Yes, I yeah. love it. Um, if there's any way that people, is there a way that people could get in touch with you or contact you if they watch this and they'd like to chat with you more or see more about yeah, your so, work? So, and there's a couple of things. So like I'm on, I'm on Facebook, obviously, is where I do a lot of my um, social media stuff, but the coordinator of the Jamestown Justice Coalition, um, the leadership, myself, Shalom Smith, who's the greatest person in the world, um, you know, Alizé Scott, who is maybe, I don't know, she's stupid, gorgeous, makes me look like garbage, and she's extremely smart. Yes. Like, makes me, again, feel stupid. I am garbage to her. And then, like, I start to think I'm radical, and then Ramisha Muslima, not even close. Like, no. Ramisha Muslima would fight everyone. Yeah, you have allied yourself with some strong and powerful women, and I have to think that that was a really great move for you. <laughs> it was a good move for me, yeah. And I would say they make me look good, but again, like, sitting on a panel with all three of them, I look like garbage. I do, yeah. It's like when Elle posts anything on her Facebook, and she's right. like, I'm having a bad day, and I'm like, I'm you're having a bad day i'm i'm having a good day and i can't level up yes. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what I got. the resume is the resume is short and it's exactly it's right no, so people but, um, can yeah. hit you and your co-workers up to the jamestown yeah. justice coalition on jamestown Facebook. justice coalition um also there's just a lot of great organizations in jamestown so check out jamestown pride they do great thing the shirt that i'm wearing right here is um father bernard's blessed biscuits this comes from our mental health association oh and what God. they're actually doing is they they're helping people that um had dependency chemical dependency issues and they're the ones that make these dog treats and they're helping them get jobs learn how to get back into the working world wow. run businesses like this is sean jones that his project it, like they're doing great things so yeah. stuff so check out jjc but also check out jameson pride check out um our star county mha go to oh my god like the jamestown public market like there's just there's a lot of good jamestown. stuff going on over there just come to jamestown come do on. it man yeah <laughs> always great to talk to you awesome thank you so much thank you everybody who watched i know mom's out there thank you lori uh you know, thank you everybody who took a peek. Please like and share this video. Uh, it would mean the world to this um, burgeoning, you know, spiritual community, whatever is happening here, mean the world to us. If you could like, comment, and share. If you could also hop on over to YouTube and drop a subscribe and some comments, that would be amazing. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A subscribe and a download would mean the world because what that actually does is tells the algorithm to send it out to more people. So that's uh, the best single best way that you can help conversations uh, continue and grow. So thank you, Justin, for your time. Thank you for everybody who watched and we will see you next week. Bye. See you, everyone. This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.